Hey guys, this is Table Talks with Atares, an inside look at the everyday conversations we had at our table. I'm Ash. I'm MJ. And today we are unpacking mentorship. Not just any ship. <laughs> so stupid. But we just unpack what it's like to have mentorship in 2023. Or whether or not it still exists. Yeah. Or what even is mentorship. Yep. And it's such a buzzword that everybody seems to be looking for. And nobody can find. Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting conversation that you and I have. And we explore different areas, even like discipleship, how Jesus mentored. So if you want to find out more, stay tuned. Enjoy this episode. <laughs> the kiss again. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let's let me just make a bold statement and whether or not it's right, we'll find out. Okay. Here's the bold statement. <laughs> the information age is killing mentorship as we know it. Okay. What do you think? Is it true? <laughs> and here's my thought. Social media is designed to give you more of what you're interested in mm-hmm. based on what you've clicked, yep. based on how much time you've spent on a certain video or article. Right. And with the vast knowledge that we have accessible to us because of the internet, we don't need to practice wisdom because if we come up against something, we can always look it up and essentially solve it. Right. And so in essence, because there's an immediacy that you have access to, you don't have to look to somebody else for guidance. Right. Because you can get that answer. Faster. Faster. Yeah. And so the the question is, do you still need mentorship? Right. And the thing is, we feel like we hear about it or then hear about the need for it all around us. And man, it might even just be that people just aren't, you know, there aren't as many friends that you have as you used to have, maybe in part because of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And that like relationships have changed. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we are seeing a decline in just regular relationships where your friends in exchange for yeah social media or internet-based relationships yeah or even a lack of intergenerational knowledge transfer and so you have your specific groups yeah or tribe or you know whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. and like with that in our cultural norms of today but a lot of those relationships that you're in are peer, same season, same going through group. same set of circu- same age, going through the same set of circumstances. Yeah. So it's it's helpful in the practical. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I have my mom friends who also have toddlers, right? It's super practical because we're all dealing with the same things, and so the imp- the advice that we might give each other is related to the specific thing that we're going through because we're all going through similar seasons, right? right? The problem with that kind of exclusivity of like these groups all being kind of my peer level or in my same, you know, season of life, similar experiences, is that it's not giving me any perspective for what I should be looking ahead to. Things that I just wouldn't even know to think about or ways to fill in the gap of what does it look like to have adult children that I don't even know, you know, how to fill in that space because I'm dealing with a three-year-old and an almost one-year-old. 
you know, whereas a mom who is, has adult children mm-hmm. or even maybe, you know, a single person in her forties or fifties might be able to offer me a different type of perspective that I just don't have because I'm not in that season of life, you know? So I don't know what I don't know. All I know is what's immediately in front of me. And I think we didn't do this looking out for this intentionally, but we've inadvertently have had friends and have friends Mm -hmm. that are in different stages that we have just learned so much from Mm -hmm. because it's just interesting. Like, I don't know where I heard about this, but particularly like in my journey of faith, Mm -hmm. the advice given to me that I had stuck with me when we first started dating was find somebody who has gone through hardship in life and has come out on the other side, still a believer or still following their faith Hmm. and learn from them. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of my first interaction of becoming friends with somebody or literally just reaching out to, I'm not going to out this person (laughs) because this is just coming to mind right now because initially I'd reached out to them for guidance in, you know, making sure that we bring our relationship from engagement to marriage as well as possible Mm -hmm. because I've had previous relationships that didn't work out Mm -hmm. and that completely failed. And that through that one piece of advice that I was given, I don't even know where I heard it from. It caused me to reach out to them. You know, they had gone through hardship Mm -hmm. and difficulty and came out the other side, strong in their faith, a firm believer. And so I was like, Hey, I just want to learn from you. Not even in a like be my mentor Mm -hmm. type situation, but I just asked questions. And how did you weather this storm? And what are some of the things that have grounded you since then? And man, he's like a super close friend now, Mm -hmm. right? And several years older than us. But I have just found the benefit of, you know, engaging or having relationships with individuals who are further ahead from you so that you can look out for the things that you should be careful of. Because if you're stuck with that, same age, same stage group, you're kind of exploring things together. Right. Or making mistakes together. Or it's almost like you're the blind leading the blind because you're all stepping through your experiences all at once. And the information that you're seeking is from a very reactive place. Yeah. I need to know this now, right? Rather than having a willingness to sit with someone who is in a different season than me and take an interest in their experience... And so to go back to your bold statement of, you know, the information age killing mentorship, what's interesting is that a lot of people I think would say that they want mentorship or desire mentorship or in Christian circles, you would hear, you know, discipleship, just being able to learn from somebody else, you know, Mm -hmm. and yet I think our societal system is designed without, you know, it's media consumption and algorithms in order to yield exactly the results that we're getting. And so what we have is a very, we have information, but it's very tailored to exactly meet our interests and what's, 
you know, immediately in front of us in our circumstances. So when we come across information that could be helpful, but is irrelevant to us mm-hmm. in one way, shape or form, we pass it by and we say, I don't really need to listen to that. I don't really need to hear that. I don't really need to engage with this, you know, whatever media platform it is, right. because it doesn't apply to me. And I think a, a consequence <laughs> of kind of this system that's in place of I'm only going to, that kind of teaches us to think I'm only going to ingest what is immediately relevant to me really keeps us from the mentorship that we say we want. But what, is that all bad though to want to self-select or, or pick and choose what you want to learn? And maybe even before you try to answer that one, that question, when people say they desire mentorship, mm-hmm. what does it mean? Like, what is mentorship? Yeah. I don't know that I have, like, a succinct answer for that. Yeah. <laughs> I think. But, like, you know, when somebody says, like, I just feel like I need discipleship yeah. or I just feel like I need mentorship, what yeah. do you think they're trying to say by saying that? I think they probably see something in that person. Honestly, it's maybe a maturity or a wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I see the way you live your life and you have maybe these spiritual disciplines. That I feel like I just don't know how to wrap my mind around. Like, what does it look like? How do I read? I don't know. how. You know, maybe the person saying, yeah, I don't know how to read my Bible. Right. I don't know how to read that and make sense of it. And what is that? Like, how am I to operate in light of that? Mm-hmm. Or maybe some of the things that I read are unsettling to me. Like, how do I deal with that? You know? And so maybe there is a maturity that they see in that person of I see principles and values that you have or live by that I would want in my life even if they can't tangibly say you value you know xyz and I want to as well but it's just you live out of these set of values and principles that are desirable and I just don't know how to attain that Mm -hmm. like how do you go about doing that how do I go about navigating decisions in my life with wisdom right Right. I think that's what we're really asking for is wisdom because having knowledge to do something is easy, right? You can find that information, Resource. but yeah. how do I apply it in a specific situation? Because from one situation to the next, maybe I need to apply it differently. Well, I know how to apply in that situation because that's what, you know, TikTok told me or what, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But how do I apply it in this situation? That requires wisdom to know how to change things with context, right? To change your behavior or your decision-making with context requires wisdom. You know, knowledge isn't going to cut it alone. The other thing too is in order to know what to look out for, you need to also know what the problem is and being able to go to the internet to find the solution to the problem is easy when you know what the problem is. But when you don't, right. Like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so a point in favor of being under the guidance of somebody else is that you are able to look out for things that you didn't know you should be looking out for. Right. And so I'm pulling an example from my work that, you know, we have a CPA in house and you know, I'm not a tax expert, but being able to have a resource like, you know, Matt, our CPA, allows us to know to look for the things that 
I wasn't looking for necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And being under the guidance of somebody else that can look over your work helps you see the things you didn't know to be looking out for. Yeah. And so I guess in that sense, the person making the argument that I can always find the solution to the problem that I have, you can counter that with, well, what about the solution to the problems you didn't know you have? Yeah. And I guess that's where mentorship comes in. Right. Because it lets you see and make known the things that are unknown to you. Right, right. And I think that's another thing in our society is we don't like to be, we don't like to focus on when, when it comes to things that are unknown. Yeah. When we think about mentorship, a lot of that is for the purpose of growth and maturity. And that requires us to evaluate what needs to change <laughs> in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's another thing that our society today doesn't elevate very highly is yeah. self-reflection for the purpose of identifying where your f- faults are. You know, dang, just dang. just give me all the affirmation. Give me the pats on the back. Tell me I'm doing a good job. That's what we're looking for a lot of times. Wow. Not, hey, here's where I am and here's where I want to be. In order to get there, I have to first identify like what needs to change yeah. and what do I need to learn. So it's a sense of being able to fix something without having to admit that there was a problem. Yes. So is that like a fearful of shame i think yeah failure Failure, i think yeah or just not wanting yeah i I think it is you know not wanting to admit i have no idea what i'm doing Mm. as a parent i have no idea what i'm doing as a wife so it's it's the imposter syndrome you don't want to be found out that you're clueless yeah Yeah, i think i have no idea what i'm doing as a leader i don't know how to lead these people right you know, I don't know how to be a dad. Yeah, like all these things. You just, you don't want to admit maybe limitedness. Man, that's like kind of sad actually. Yeah. Because the very fear of failure that will allow you to overcome that failure and the, the admission of it yeah. is what's keeping you from... Your growth. From your growth, but also not moving in that direction and fulfilling that fear. Right, right. Absolutely. In the first place. Yeah, yeah. So... Why do you think it is not as, why is it so hard to come by these days to have mentorship in 2023? I think, I think some of it is that our lives are just too busy for it. We are running a hundred miles an hour. So I did a lot of professional coaching in Mm -hmm. my previous job. And there, I would just hear over and over again in different departments, there was a real lack of this knowledge transfer that was needed. So you'd have the, you know, people who've been there for 20 years, I'm, I'm talking public sector, that's where I was. So 20 years, you know, yeah. doing their job. And then you get the new people coming in, there's a massive gap. And there's too much work to be doing for the guy who's been there 20 years to take time to train the guy who's on the job. Yeah, It kind of becomes a sink or swim situation. It creates a frustrating dynamic for both people, like both both sides, you know? Yeah. And so I think some of it is just that whether we're talking about even just in our you know personal lives, we just are doing things all the time. And so to think about taking time and sitting with someone and talking with them and sharing life experience, that feels like such a foreign I think it's hard in today's day and age. There's not a lot of time for it. You have to make time for it. And so if it's not built into your everyday, right? which 
obviously corporately it doesn't seem like that's something where it's really asked for mm-hmm. or welcome because that's that's a very long tail game yeah it in is having your veterans set up time to train the young guys over long periods of time right where that knowledge transfer occurs because there are some short-term needs that get, need to get addressed that won't get addressed right important like decisive needs that won't be taken care of mm-hmm. if you take some time to do that mentorship right. Right. or training yeah or knowledge transfer and so unless it's something that like from the ground up is something that is ingrained in that company's culture or in your family mm-hmm. right built into mm-hmm. your family because we like to think of our family as kind of in a sense a business mm-hmm. with a vision yeah that has a goal yeah that it just won't happen yeah and in the corporate world it's the veteran will never be able to transfer that knowledge to the new hire there will always be that gap and that new hire will never rise to the level of the veteran and then in the family context every generation will think their generation zero and that there is nothing to be learned from the past generation right and we're we're trying to push back against that that you my daughter you my son are part of a bigger story yeah that you are where you're at today because of the sacrifices your grandparents made mm-hmm. to allow us to be where we're at so that you can be in the position that you're in and whether that means you're doing you're really well off mm-hmm. or you just have the cars that you have it's still part of you're not you're not generation zero you come from a long line of generations that were sacrificing for their families in Mm -hmm. order for you to be where you're at today yeah and that's just lost i guess yeah so how do you do that how do you recapture or build in build in mentorship corporately or even in your family Mm -hmm. so that that knowledge transfer does happen i don't know the solution for that yeah but i think you know, it, it, there needs to be difference in perspective on both sides. I think the, the people who have the experience, who the younger people or maybe younger generation or the new guys on the job or whatever, you know, whatever group they are, they're looking up and saying, hey, I want this. Yeah. They have to, at some point, realize what are you risking and not sharing it? Because say you retire and leave with all that experience that you had. I'm not just talking about knowledge. I'm talking about experience. And that never gets transferred. Yeah. There's going to be a big gap. There's going to be a big gap. Right. Generationally, when generations start to retire out of the workplace, if some of that experience isn't passed on. Right. You know what I mean? And so what are the effects of that? I don't know. We'll find out. But it's coming. Like we're in it, you know. Right. Where, you know, boomers are retiring we're about to retire out a whole generation, you know, from the workforce. And so for better, for worse. Yeah. And it's just like there, there is going to be experience that goes with that. And so can the new guys on the job figure it out? Yeah. But it might take them 20 years, you know, and then they're going to be in the same boat that the other guy was who just left. Yeah. You know, how do we get that experience to that person? So they don't need to go 20 years to get it. You know what I mean? And so that's just something I'm thinking about of just what is the workplace going to look like? You know, once that happens, what were you going to say? 
I was just going to say, I, I also like the note that you have that basically talks about blame shifting and that there's probably a preference to just having the access to the knowledge rather than yes the training and the mentorship or discipleship because you forfeit the responsibility so you don't have to take the blame for it. Yeah, I think so. That's the flip side. Yeah. So for the others who need the mentorship um, or are looking for it, I think it's really easy to stay in the place of data collecting because you don't have to take responsibility for your actions. Ultimately, I can blame it on the source that I got that information from. So now I'm giving up my responsibility for my actions because I can tie them to somewhere else that I got that information. Right. Yeah. And in the same way too, you can just continue to, I'm trying to contextualize this for the family that, oh, well, I'm like this because, you know, the way I was raised Mm, because mm -hmm. of, because generation before me Mm. and that that's, that's not on me. That's yeah. because of external forces. That, right, right. And it's like, okay, sure. But at some point, yeah, I don't know where the line is. I'm no like psychologist. But at some point, you have to take responsibility for the decisions you're making. Yeah. Whether or not the outside and external forces or to what extent they played a role in influencing the decisions you made, you made the decision. Mm-hmm. And it's almost safer to blame it on outside forces yeah absolutely which is why not engaging i'm trying to think about it through the lens of i prefer the knowledge the knowledge collection over having somebody come alongside me or somebody asking me the revealing questions yeah that make me have to come to terms about where i really am or the things that i'm not seeing yeah Yeah, I think data collection can be extremely helpful. I heard this quote one time. I'm probably totally butchering it, but it says something to the nature of data can be helpful. It allows us to measure effectiveness, Yeah, which helps us know how to move forward, right? It can also become an obsession, allowing an excuse for us to continue to do nothing. Right. Because you need to collect more. Exactly analysis paralysis exactly and so you know you keep asking for coffee meetings with people you keep listening to you know the podcasts or you keep reading the books or you know all these things and at some point you have to take responsibility for your own actions right and you just got to do it you know but again it goes back to you know we're so afraid of failure we're so afraid of being found out that we actually have no idea what we're doing, yeah. right? And yet we don't actually value the mentorship of listening to other people's irrelevant experiences that could actually help us, maybe not today, but in the future, right? Yeah. And could help preserve me from, okay, now how do I do this? I got to figure this out. I got to look this up now because now it's an immediate need but I had the opportunity to learn about it from somebody else before when it was an irrelevant need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I also think about just, you know, how did, how did Jesus model this? Yeah. If we're, if we're looking into him as the model for how he discipled perfectly mm-hmm. and that it wasn't a sit down training, watch these videos and go through these PowerPoint slides. 
but he actually just like went through and did it with them yeah. and taught along the way yeah. and really was just a friend to the disciples. And, you know, we, we might not be able to correlate everything perfectly, but there's something to be learned from that Yeah. where I think sometimes it doesn't have to be so formalized. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so curriculum based, but he taught his disciples by demonstrating how he handled situations yeah and let them have an inside view on how he handled things right yeah i think he taught them as much in the informal settings as he did in the formal ones and and frankly as a teacher the formal settings are easier yeah than the informal ones right because that's when it moves from syllabi curriculum powerpoint slides to where it's like okay you actually have to demonstrate now yeah it moves from do what i say to watch what i do right yeah yeah and i think you know jesus also left us the holy spirit as our guide Mm -hmm. and i think i wonder sometimes if i'm trying to replace the role of the holy spirit because it seems i don't know like it's just it's hard it especially depending on the upbringing the church upbringing you had it's God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Like yeah. We don't talk about the Holy right, Spirit because right, right. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And so I think sometimes I wonder if we're trying to ride off the coattails of other people's abiding. Wow. And other people's wisdom that they gain from right. actually seeking applying the Holy Spirit. one for one. Yeah. So when that's not the situation you right. So instead of me learning, what does it mean to actually abide in Christ? What does it mean to actually yeah have a relationship and engage with the Holy Spirit and seek out His wisdom and counsel? Right. How does Ashley engage with the Holy exactly. Spirit? Exactly. Or how does Ashley abide? Exactly. And let me do what she does. Right. Because that seems to work for her. Right. And so just give me the how-to. Yeah. Rather than me taking the time to learn the why. But sometimes I wonder if that wasn't the whole point of leaving the Holy Spirit was that it requires for us to not only acknowledge our limitedness and need for that kind of direction, but it also forces us into a relationship. Yeah. Like I have to be seeking it. And so sometimes I think we just want to bypass that circuit for sure and get to the answer. Yeah. Without the relationship. Yeah. And so I think the way we're trying to practice this too is that, now that we are responsible for our kids and their upbringing, we are trying to put in place habits and practices that expose them to people that are deliberately not their age. How do we do that? Well, we have people over Saturdays that are our age mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have them sit with us at the table. And I don't know if it was with Jeremy Pryor that talked about this where he doesn't want, he didn't want to raise children that didn't know how to interact with people that weren't their children's age. Yeah. And I thought that was so insightful that you would want to raise kids that know how to interact with grandparents, mm-hmm. with, you know, people our age. And that's been something that's been in the forefront of my mind as we think about what do we, teach our kids in how to have that interpersonal relationship with others that are not their age and purposefully taking them 
into situations where not everything is because the rest of society is always segmented by mm -hmm. age and stage the toddlers go here you know in ministry the women go over there yeah. the men go over here yeah and it's like anti multi-generational mm -hmm. not not deliberately but because right. we we tend to collect ourselves amongst similarities yes and we have interests around you know we we become friends around similar interests right and i don't think that that's wrong no i'm not saying it is I but just inadvertently think, i just think when all of our societal constructs are set up that way it does prevent that right that intergenerational yeah transfer of wisdom and life experience so that we keep saying we're seeking after right so we i like i basically answered my question as to why it's not happening in in this day and age it's because we split we segment our society into age tranches and deliberately remove the ability to have even the exposure to other ages yeah and so so that becomes the norm and what we gravitate to yeah and then we consume all manner of media that is in that age hyper group specialized you know yep to our interests yeah so one way we're practicing breaking that down is we are all sitting at the table having dinner together and we're inviting people our age which is different from our kids age yeah and and just even if it right now just means you're going to watch our kids throw food everywhere well particularly judah evie is pretty good at eating now <laughs> but just like having the little interactions and knowing the social cues of taking turns talking not talking over each other things like that that we're just learning and practicing yeah is one way we are gently pushing back on how society splits us off into our age groups which is why in addition to the information age the tranches we are splitting our society into age groups yeah is preventing us from experiencing that knowledge transfer through mentorship yeah and i think even just having a willingness to expose myself to people's circumstances and stories that are that feel irrelevant to me or my current season and you know had i known about motherhood and labor and postpartum and all those things before having to research it because i was it was literally about to happen to me yeah i would have been such a different friend to my friends who had children before i became a mom yeah i would have had different expectations of them had I had that perspective and that insight, you know, I would have known how to have more compassion. I would have known how to empathize with them more, even though I, you know, hadn't been through that circumstance yet. I would have been able to have been a better friend to them in general. And I think that way of a lot of different things in life, you know, had I had some perspective in things or experiences that people had gone through that were so different from mine, I could have had, I could have just been a better friend or, you know, better daughter, better sister, better, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, and also probably would have set me up a little bit better for some of the things I was going to go through later on, mm -hmm. you know, so. Well, hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with the Tares. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honors underscore dot com slash table talks to let us know. 
And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support. All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.